Welcome back to the For Freedom Podcast. This is your host, James, and uh, my co-host, John Hollyfield, and we are excited about coming to you today. We've got a great guest lined up. Before we get started there, uh, me and John just got back from the last Together for the Gospel Conference uh, last word, and I, I came back with, uh, I think, 56 different books, uh, received a lot of those free. I think I only bought like 10 or 12 books, and so I told uh, my wife this will keep me busy for, for about three years, so I don't need to buy books for about three years' time, and I still have books from T4G from 2020 that I still haven't read, and so we are <clears throat> got a lot of things to, to digest. I got a couple of great devotionals um, and a couple of great books that I had on my list. Uh, that I'm excited that John's told me about and other people have told me about that I was able to pick up. And so uh, we had a great time there. John, welcome to the show. How are you doing today, my friend? Doing re- doing good. Recovering from uh, not fundamentalism today, oh. recovering from the conference. <laughs> yeah, uh, we did. We had a good time and um, we uh, we got a lot of books and Man. it was a great time. I, I say we, we heard some good preaching. Man, Christian Lawanda crushed it. So good. Love Christian Lawanda. If you have a chance, go to YouTube and look up the message by Christian Lawanda on uh, the Bible, submitting to the Bible on pastoral ministry. Piper had a great message. Um, Shy Lynn had a great message. So, yeah, it was it was it was a great time. We had we had a lot of fun. We got to hang out with one of our buddies from college, Jake. Uh, and then we also got to have dinner with an RFP fam, uh, Jake Sizemore. Jake Sizemore and Jake Carlisley. Yeah, dude, Jake Sizemore is awesome. Man, it was great to hang out with him. What well, we hung out for about two hours. Yeah. And uh, we went to time. one of the best restaurants that we ate the entire time we were there. We had this amazing, amazing the, the Cuban, Cuban food, authentic Cuban food. John celebrated his birthday. We yeah. uh, had a Cuban celebration of birthday. He had a firework go off in front of his face is what it looked like. And I know a lot of you saw the video. And, hey, I want to thank all of our listeners that direct messaged John uh, <laughs> on his birthday. He didn't. So he's yeah. he's been off Facebook for a while. And uh, he gets on maybe for a minute or two just to check on some things. And so I knew he wasn't going to see it. And all of a sudden, we're sitting there. He's like, dude. Why are so many people direct messaging me? Because he still gets his messages from Facebook Messenger. And I said, hey, bro. And I showed him the post. And he was like, I hate you. I, I hate you. <laughs> and yeah. I said, well, you know, it's, it's just our, our family enjoying your birthday and telling you happy birthday. So it was a great thing. Yeah, thanks, everybody. Not really somebody that likes a lot of attention on their birthday. Just let it go past. We we had a good time, though, and uh, had a blast. And Day. I was able to pick up some books and Hooked up a lot of these things that I really enjoy and are uh, recommend highly, and they're called uh, 31 Day Devotionals for Life. They're put out by PNR Publishing, and uh, the the interesting thing about these is they're like about seven dollars and fifty cents a piece. They go through each day covering a different issue. They have the ones on hope, contentment, pornography, um, marriage conflict. And the one we're going to cover today, or the, the 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 guest we're having on today, actually is an author of this, and this is what we're going to talk about today. Um, and this is uh, Toxic Relationships, Taking Refuge in Christ by Ellen Mary Dykus. And Ellen Mary Dykus is the Women's Ministry Director at Harvest USA, 
and the author of Sexual Sanity for Women, as well as several other mini books, including this one that is sort of the topic of our discussion today. So we're excited about having Ellen on the podcast with us. I do not mean to be mean. I do mean to be mad. You obey your pastor. If you ain't got the King James, you ain't got... Hey, if you don't have a King James, you don't have a Bible. I still believe if you have cold day in hell before I get my challenge from a woman, I'm a preacher. The young preachers that do love God get pulled off into Calvinism. And I'll fight it, I'll fight it. I'll fight you in the parking lot over it. I'll get personal with you. When you got dressed today, you dressed deity. This is the For Freedom Podcast. A podcast that is part of the RFP Network that seeks to bring freedom in Christ from the spiritual abuse of legalism in the independent fundamental Baptist movement. Now here are your hosts, John Hollyfield and James Sapert. And so fundamentalism is designed to uh, unpack the idea of authority from Scripture. The problem with that is that that's not the defining principle in Scripture. It is a part of Scripture, but the defining principle in Scripture is love. that all men who sit under the, uh, that teaching will become abusive. But what I'm saying is the ones who are abusive will be drawn to that sort of teaching. I don't want to give people just a list of things they can start doing differently until they have a heart out of which they're going to be doing those things differently. Bitterness is different from hurt. I would say that hurt or even abuse does not have to result in bitterness. And so we're very excited to have uh, Ellen uh, Mary Dykus on with us from Harvest USA. So Ellen, thank you so much for uh, joining us on the podcast today. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. So we already sort of gave like the the official intro to to you, but could you tell us a little bit about yourself, your ministry, maybe even your family life and, and that kind of thing to uh, let everybody know sort of who you are? Sure. Yeah, I'm a Midwestern woman who transplanted, was transplanted to the East Coast about 17 years ago. I live in Philadelphia now. Um, I've been serving as the director of women's ministry for Harvest USA for about 15 years. And previous to Harvest, a lot of my uh, ministry background was in cross-cultural ministry. So I was overseas as a church planter. I was um, mission staff at my church in St. Louis. And then I came into this role in 2007. So I'm single, so I haven't married at this point in my life. We'll see if the Lord has that, has that for me down the line. Uh, but with Harvest, uh, our mission is to is twofold. It's to provide kind of Christ-centered biblical discipleship to women, men, 
couples, families impacted by sexual sin, and then we want to equip local churches in how to do this kind of ministry themselves. Uh, so in my care for women, I'm focusing on women that need help with relational and sexual integrity, and then ministry to wives who are married, who are in marriages that have been impacted through sexual unfaithfulness. And so the last thing I'll say, um, I've found over the years from my own journey, but also in my ministry here at Harvest, that the relational holiness is always impacted by sexual unholiness. And sometimes relational unholiness feeds into sexual unholiness. And I know that the idea of toxic relationships is our key focus today. So I just wanted to add that in of how I've seen that woven into the ministry I do here for Harvest USA. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think it'd be good to, uh, we'll link because I'm, I'm sure some, some people just heard what you, your work is and is very intrigued already. So we'll link, um, uh, Ellen's page and the Harvest USA's website to, uh, to the show notes on the episode. Um, but we want to get into this and I mentioned a little bit about the 31 day devotionals and I, let me say this before we, we jump into talking about it. I do really like PNR's setup with the 31 day devotionals. You can get it on a range of subjects and it just goes, you know, they're not too much to read in a day, but the continuity over the time you've, you've read really a healthy handling of a subject by the time you're done. And each day gives you, um, uh, things to reflect on, pray about, and then action, an action step each day. So I absolutely love the format that they've, they've gone with, with this, but, um, Ellen, you were, uh, I don't know if you were chosen or you, you, uh, jumped into this to write on the subject of toxic relationships. Could you tell us a little bit about maybe, uh, how this came about and, and, and why this subject? Yeah, well, I, I love the way you set up that that question, John, because, um, yeah, so I wrote this um, for that series from PNR Publishing that you mentioned. When they asked me, you know, what are topics I would have been interested to write on, the idea of codependency or just relational idolatry was at the top of the list because, first of all, it's a big part of my own story as a believer and before I was a believer and just all the mess and shame and struggle that I had because of these unholy dependencies. Uh, but then also in my ministry, uh, as I mentioned a little bit ago, to women and really couples, men as well, uh, there, there doesn't seem like there's been a whole lot of teaching about what does it mean to be in relationship, dependent on the Lord, but also in a trusting, invested relationship. And a lot of us didn't have this modeled well for us and so uh, the idea of a person being your BFF who's going to meet all your needs or your spouse basically being a Jesus replacement to you or your son or daughter being a surrogate spouse, like all these things are, are happening. And yet sometimes we've not known what is relational health or relational holiness really look like. And so toxic relationships taking refuge in Christ came first of all out of my own journey in these areas, and then my ministry to people, so many people over the years who have wrestled in uh, similar ways. That's great. Uh, as a couple of things that you said there that really caught my attention um, was just really who our center of our relationships are. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really where it allows relationships to get off of balance. Um, you know, you see a lot of couples split up when their kids 
go off into college and they're at home by themselves because they've misprioritized their relationship with one another and through their kids. Um, question I want to ask is, as we sort of get started is, what, how would you define, what would be a word that you would use or a statement of words that would define what a toxic relationship is? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, uh, you know, first I want to say that that idea of toxic relationships can mean different things to different people right now. Um, I think and a lot of people hear that and they would first think, oh, she's talking about something that is all out abusive, maybe spiritually abusive or emotionally abusive. And that could be true. But as I'm thinking about it with the, my devotional book, I'm looking at kind of the simplicity of that word toxic means what? Something's polluted. Like something is there that shouldn't be there. And so a toxic relationship, I'm specifically kind of zeroing in on the sin or the pollutant of a people idolatry or a person focused idolatry or a relational focused idolatry. And, and you, you really named it well of that Christ isn't at the center. He might be in the mix. Mm-hmm. And this is how, this is one reason why it gets so tricky with believers. Christ is in the mix, mm-hmm. but he's not the one that's really being looked to for identity, value, love, life, and we could go on and on. So a, a toxic relationship, one way we could look at that is where something or someone has displaced Jesus as the source of life and the source of identity and purpose and okayness uh, been replaced by a person or what a relationship is giving to somebody. Yeah, I think that's that's some great stuff. James, we talked a little bit about this off air, and James and I, when we had a chance to be at the, the meetup in Bourbon, Missouri, uh, we were actually a little surprised by the amount of questions and concerns that people came up to us after our talk on manipulation about, you know, well, what do I do if this is the type of relationship I am in? And and every single one of them, I believe, James, correct me if I'm wrong, every single one of them were familial relationships. Mm-hmm. Or a, a, a parent or a mom or a dad yeah. or even siblings that had just said, I'm done. Like, I don't want to be around you anymore. You know, just... Just bad, bad situations. Or they would, yeah, they would use those types of things to uh, keep them, you know, and they would, they would dominate the relationship and they would say like, uh, you know, you just don't love me anymore. Use mm-hmm. like, because they're not giving them, you know, 24 seven attention. They're maybe giving them, you know, 23 hours a day. <laughs> you know what <laughs> I mean? <laughs> but um, what are some signs that maybe somebody might be in a toxic relationship? Yeah, well, um, you know, we can, uh, there's going to be some, some unique uh, nuances when we talk about, well, I'm sure we'll get to this of how you help somebody out of these patterns, differences between a family relationship and non-family, especially a marriage relationship. But just, let's just talk about some broad strokes. Some broad strokes would be um, fused lives and schedules and even relational spheres that mimic the life sharing of marriage. Now that would be friends, a mentor and somebody they're mentoring, a a helper like a counselor or pastor with somebody they're helping. Um, That that relationship begins to take the feel of just a fusion of their lives that is beyond what would be healthy or holy. So that's one thing, you know, another, another, uh, idea that uh, a friend of mine told me this, which I think is so helpful, is 
that when, when a person makes your day, makes life worth living or breaks your day mm. and makes life not worth living, something's off track. Like That's no person right there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, no person should have that kind of power over us. And we're going to see that God has created us for deep relationship with each other. I and mean, when you look at the apostle Paul, he said, I loved you so much, Thessalonians. I delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but my life as well, because you'd become so dear to us. So we're not talking about cold, sterile, overly boundary relationships, but we're talking about holiness. So fused lives, a person has the power to make life worth living or not. Uh, but some other things are there's um, almost a consistent need to be in contact, uh, to be clarifying your role and your place in the relationship. And when that's not help happening, a person is feeling jealous, threatened, uh, insecure. Uh, you know, I think about definitely um, friend relationships, mentor, mentee relationships, or even like a church leader and somebody that they're helping type relationships. The toxicity or the unholy dependency is fed and fueled off of being always in touch, reaffirming each other, um, always clarifying your roles with each other. And when somebody steps out of that perceived role, the balance is, is thrown off. And that leads to that insecurity and, and the jealousy I was just talking about. And then, um, you know, a final thing I would say is, I think about especially in um, non-marital relationships, uh, when, or even a non-dating relationship, when the relationship begins to take a romanticized feel to it. And this is where my ministry to a lot of women in particular in their friendships with women, it, it might not necessarily be a situation of a woman being same-sex attracted, but that friendship begins to feel like a romanticized, central, centralized reality. And those two women, or it could even be two men, they just see it, hey, we are just really close. But people, if people on the outside, if you would ask them, they would often say, yeah, something about their friendship, or yeah, I need to be honest with you, there's something about your friendship with so-and-so that feels off to me. It seems more like a dating relationship than a friendship. So that's kind of a combination of what's fueling these things and what the symptoms of it would be and, and actually I'll, I'll the final one i'll say is a what they look like is is an enclosed circle of two so and this is where you can see even like in a, in a parent child relationship at friendship mentor whatever it might be that circle of two must be protected at all costs which is a part of the reason why another friend tries to enter in or somebody in that too a son or daughter begins to date somebody and the parent freaks out. Mm. Um, a congregant and a pastor, that congregant begins to seek somebody else out for counsel and the pastor is undone because they're not needed as much anymore. Mm. So codependent toxicity is how I'm looking at it here. It demands a circle of two that is um, not gonna be penetrated with another person. And when somebody does, that's when things can start to unravel. I was thinking about going off script here a little bit because it's got me sort of intrigued. I don't know if you want to, if you may 
want to get back on the, if you want to handle this or not, but, um, have you seen ever in, in your experience or research where maybe a power dynamic is at play and maybe even the culture has fostered that codependency? Cause I'm, I'm just thinking like somebody may be listening to this and saying like, well, that's just how I was taught relationships should be. Mm. Yeah. That is a great question, John. And I would say, yes, when there's a power differential or an authority, which is kind of similar, authority role um, differential, which can, again, is connected to that power differential. But yeah, you think about, especially, let's, let's just use this dynamic, which probably most people could relate to, of somebody that is in a mentor or discipler type role. And I've got lots of stories I could tell you about this. And they're caring for somebody. Um, somebody, so think about that combination of somebody who is needy to be needed and somebody who is needy to be taken care of. You think parent, child, pastor, congregant, mentor, mentee, friends. And a person, the person who's needy to be taken care of, they might just bounce around from one relationship to another of who's gonna fill my heart? Who's gonna take care of me? Like, who's gonna listen to me? And you've got another person, and this is where I would put myself um, in the past. Uh, thank you, Lord. I was a very needy to be needed uh, caregiver or mentor. Love discipleship, love investing into younger women. And for me, that's what it meant to be selfless, was I'm, gonna, I'm not gonna have boundaries. I'm gonna be available at all times of the day. My cell phone, I am available for you because I love you so much. And yet I wasn't loving so much. I was actually using other people's neediness and pain to feel good about myself. And I'll tell you what, those are some of the more painful repentance processes for me was going back to two women in particular um, with whom I had cultivated this, um, all in the name of being the always there for you mentor had to go back to them and ask for their forgiveness because in the name of discipleship and even counseling, I hadn't really loved them with the love of Christ, but was loving how I felt in the midst of what they were asking me to give to them. And praise the Lord that those broken relationships were, were healed and redeemed. That doesn't happen all the time. So, I don't want to, not that my situation is like the best one to look at as a model, but I did finally break. I did, I grew in my own wisdom and the Lord convicted me to take those steps. But think about somebody who's not willing, whose heart is hardened, or they're just naive or blind to themselves in these areas. So I'll use a pastor as an example. And that pastor sees his role as not only to shepherd his flock, but all the sheep, he's the only one that can meet their needs and nobody else better step in on these sheep. Mm -hmm. And if a sheep is stepping outside, no, you don't. You come back here. You are my sheep and I'm going to take care of you. And I mean, you can see easily the broken places that goes, including into potential sexual harassment and sexual abuse. I mean, how many people have gotten into those kind of messy situations and say, I don't know how we got here. Usually some of the steps into that kind of a 
broken, uh, feeling controlled relationship with a pastor or a counselor grew from some of the things we're talking about. What's going on at the heart level, Christ is not being looked to for security and satisfaction. Yeah, he said something that was good. <clears throat> good for me. And John had made the statement uh, this past week at our conference we went to, and you alluded to it for a minute, and and you may not have an answer for it, but I, I want, I, it came to my mind. When the culture we grew up in, everything we did was all about taking and, and us always having to give, expending every bit of our energy, expending all of our emotional concerns, everything. Uh, and at this conference, one of our, he made the statement, one of our friends, he said, have you noticed they haven't taken anything? They've just been given, given mm -hmm. books, given resources, mm -hmm. giving, giving, giving to help us in our growing of our life. Do you see that as a sign of a toxic relationship of someone who's always taking and never giving back in a, in a reciprocal type of way? Is that a sign that you, you mentioned it a little bit just a yeah. minute ago? Yeah, well, it could be. Um, it could be. It could also be the opposite of somebody that is only giving. They are only in that giver role and they're not receiving at all. I mean, that that I mean, that doesn't perfectly describe me, but I was I was the one in that giving, 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 always being available. But I wasn't receiving with humility. Hmm. I mean, my whole relational my relational world in some in some seasons was really out of balance because in every relationship I was either the mentor the counselor, the go-to listener, but I scanned my landscape and, hey, who who am I confessing my heart to? Who am I asking for help? So, but bringing up your situation, uh, you know, your, your example, it, it could be that of somebody that only sees themselves as needy and only sees other people as, um, a potential dispense dispensary for what their heart needs. Hmm. And I'll just mention this again. One of the more toxic recipes is a needy to be needed person and a needy to be taken care of person. And there's lots of opportunities for those kinds of unholy dynamics to, to flourish. Yeah. I think before we move to the good news, uh, how <laughs> many times have we just seen that that dynamic play out? on whole church levels. A bunch of people that need to be needed and a bunch of people that are, you know, have that that other dynamic at play. I mean, it's it just and yeah. and, and going back to what was said at the beginning, it's just not Christ-centered. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But that's a lot of the, you know, I guess we could say that's bad news or that's waking up to the situation. Now let's move to the the good news of it. Hey, How yeah. as Christians. Well, John, let me before you even ask that question. <laughs> I want to say what the bad news for. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah. I, I, I want to move into the good news, but I want to repeat the statement that Ellen said because she said it, and I think that some people may have been distracted when she said it. But she said, "When someone makes your day or breaks your day, something is off balance. No one should have that much power." Mm -hmm. With that statement in mind, and you can go back five minutes and listen to it if you want to again. With that statement in mind, let's go to this next question. How can or should we respond when someone makes or breaks our day and everything's off of balance? How do we do that? How do we respond to that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and um, I want to, again, just reiterate what I said is 
in all this, of course, we're not talking about being overly distanced, about not celebrating people. Like we want to, believers with their hearts set on Christ, we, sh we should have increasing fruitfulness of being loving, giving, humble, receiving people in our relationships. And so when we begin to recognize that something's off track in our relational world or in a particular in a particular relationship, uh, first we we acknowledge it and we celebrate, Lord, thank you that you're opening my eyes to this. Mm -hmm. Thank you that you're showing this. You're not showing me this to shame me, to isolate me, to make me a lonely person, but you're doing this to draw me to yourself so that my relational world can be recalibrated back to what it's been created for, which is Christ in me, the hope of glory, loving people through me. And you know, a, a key passage for me in all of this, and I referenced this in the introduction of, of the devotional, is from Psalm 16. And I'm just gonna read these first four verses and we can bounce off of this in light of um, our discussion today. But you know, David says, preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. Totally echoes John 15 and what Jesus is saying there. But it's these next two verses that I think are so key. David says, as for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. I mean, that is a deep delight and celebration of people. But look at verse four. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. That's a sober promise. Their drink offerings of blood, I will not pour out or take their names upon my lips. And, and we know that Old Testament idolatry, we see that in all kinds of idolatry across the boards. I mean, it can be relational idolatry or food or ministry or whatever it might be, whenever something displaces, displaces the Lord. And so we name it, we acknowledge it, but we also in this process, we can go deeper into walking away from this kind of pattern in your relationships is remembering that the Lord does want us to grow into people that can really delight in other people and celebrate them. Well, I, I like that, uh, that first four, because like what you said, I think a lot of times we'll read Psalm 16 and we'll get to verse four and we'll think of wooden sculpted idols, but we don't think of, well, we've, we've elevated this relationship mm -hmm. to an idolatry level or this person at, to an idolatry level, and we don't see, maybe let it sort of pierce our heart of saying, that that brings sorrow. Mm -hmm. that, yeah. that, that brings sorrow. Well, it brings, and it brings multiplied sorrow. Yeah. That's, that's, that's excellent. That's excellent. Yeah, as, as a pastor, I, I see the, the counter to that in Scripture um, I'm preaching to Ephesians right now is like going to Ephesians one and just seeing Ephesians like one verse three through 14. It's, it's such a doxology of praise to God, but at the same time we get sort of a understanding of our identity in Christ in that, that same passage, which is so helpful of whenever God may wake you up, maybe this, this episode, this podcast and listening to what Ellen's defining here is sort of waking you up of saying, maybe I need to analyze that, you know, Ephesians one, Psalm 16, go to these mm -hmm. passages mm -hmm. and let God's word just like sink mm -hmm. into your heart. Yeah. 
yeah, amen. I mean, going to the Lord's word and then, uh, of course, going to the Lord's people, you know, trusted people to help kind of dissect what led you into this kind of a pattern or if it's not been a pattern, what kind of made you vulnerable to a certain relationship where you are recognizing yourself, even as we talk about some of these things today. James, you have something to say? Cause I was going to go ahead. Go ahead go okay. I, I think another thing that maybe, maybe in the back of some people's minds of what we're doing here, and that is we're not focusing on maybe the other person in the relationship. We're focusing on, on what is going on in your heart. And the reason is, is because we can't change other people. Mm, mm -hmm, mm. We can't do anything about other people. So yeah. it is, it is distracting and really a waste of time to focus in mm -hmm. on maybe the other person in that relationship, even if that toxicity of the relationship is, is something like, you know, overpowering or something, you cannot change them. You have to let God do work, a uh, work in your heart. Mm -hmm. Ellen, I mean, am I off base on that at well, all? No, I mean, well, you no, that's excellent. And I mean, you're bringing up what is both needed, but also can be really painful about a process of re repentance and healing and messy because let's say, um, I mean, let's just, let's use a parent, a parent and a son or daughter example where that parent has maybe just placed all of his or her identity and sense of value on this son or daughter. And that son or daughter has grown up in that kind of an environment. And now they're, they're uh, you know, spreading their wings, if you will, maybe even getting married. And the parent is just in turmoil. Well, that, that son or daughter can pursue relational health and holiness, but unless that parent is also seeking to grow they're going to resist the change dynamic. They're going to resist healthiness and holiness and boundaries. Uh, and, you know, in the and you think about a new marriage relationship, why and how do a lot of new couples struggle? Some, some struggle because that idea of leaving and cleaving hasn't been understood. And the parent is unwilling to let go or release their child. And so, that would be an intense situation in a lot of the family dynamic, but also with friends is uh, one of the questions I get frequently with women that are in these kinds of dynamics, especially with each other, with another woman, is they'll say, well, Ellen, can we still be friends? Like, I, I can't imagine losing her. Like, I do want to walk rightly with Christ, but I can't imagine losing her. And she's not ready to, to she's not ready to change yet part of that costly obedience is going to be surrendering and letting go of that relationship mm -hmm. if that's what it's going to take to really pursue what you need to pursue and we can only take responsibility for our own obedience like i'm not responsible for your obedience or this person's obedience uh, but these because of what we've already talked about the fused nature of these relationships breaking away from that is going to be painful and messy but Christ is calling me to turn towards him. And I can't force another person to do that. Yeah. And, it's, and it's even clearly laid out as you read in chapter 16 of Psalms, very first verse, preserve me, O God, for mm. in you, I take refuge. Yeah. It's not the other person needs to take refuge in you or yeah. fix the other person. It's what do I need to do to take refuge in you, God? 
again, getting back to that center relationship of who God is yeah. in your life. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. That's that is good. an, that is an excellent tie in. And you know, you, we could look at a lot of passages like that. And as yeah. you know, the, the very wise biblical counselor, David Paulson said is, you know, we can look at these passages and we make it an anti Psalm. So in this situation, it would be, Hey friend, you preserve me because I found my refuge in you. Like, you are my, you are my best thing. Like, I don't have any good apart from you. Mm -hmm. it, that kind of makes the idolatry of it pop out that much more. Yeah. But yeah, that, that refuge, soul satisfaction must be found in Christ. We've been created for that. Yeah. yeah. I was, I was going through Ed Welch's book, um, and I don't know if this applies now that I think about it, but I just thought it did. But I was I was going through Ed Welch's book with the youth at our church. Um, what do you think of me and why do I care? Mm, yeah. And he brought out a point that just like I was trying to teach it to the teens and I was just like, oh, guys, this is killing me <laughs> as a pastor. This is killing me. But he, he brought out about how we need to know who God is. And he said that one of the ways that we, we get an understanding of who God is is looking at the life of Christ. And he said, what did Christ do? He was rejected. He was put away. He was, you know, treated, mistreated by others. He said, but what did he do? He saw, Christ saw, that he needed to love others more than he needed to be loved by mm. others. Mm -hmm. And then he turns around and asks the question, do you need to be loved or do you need to love other people more than you need to be loved. And I was like, man, that's tough. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Well, you know, I think maybe there's some that listening to this that are sitting there thinking, okay, I don't find myself in maybe that kind of relationship, but the light bulbs are going off all over about people that they can sit that are in their sphere. It's like, Oh, that's them. Oh, that's them. Um, what would be like, what is maybe some, some offerings of help that we could, we could give to that person of like when we see someone in a toxic relationship. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, in the, in the devotional book, I walk through four different case studies of different types of relationships, like a married couple, two adult women, friends, uh, parents and their adult daughter, and then a pastor and a congregant. And so, you know, I think there'd be similar principles across the boards, but in the application would be different depending on the on the relational dynamic. Uh, for example, like I wouldn't ask a married couple that is in a really messy dynamic with each other. I wouldn't say uh, you need to you know end the relationship, of course, or or separate based on the um, the bare bones, if you will, of what we're talking about. But I think first thing is we pray. You know, we pray and ask the Lord um, to give us discernment because we what we've seen and what we've heard and our observations is only a part of the story uh so we're praying and saying lord is is something off here like it it seems like so and so and so and like these two people aren't in a in a healthy or holy place so we pray and we ask the lord to give discernment and then depending on the relationship we you know may go to that person like we might go to this this friend we might go to this uh, you know, person in our life and just say, you know, I just, I've been praying about, um, you know, I've been praying about coming to talk to you because you're, you've, seems like you've gotten to be really close with this 
men in the men's, this man in the men's group or this woman in our Bible study. And um, I just, I just wanted to ask you, like, is there anything that you need prayer for about this relationship? And, you know, I'm being, I'm fumbling a little bit with my words because it really would depend on the dynamic, but I think we would pray. We would need to ask, you know, ask the Lord for wisdom. Do we go to that person? And depending on the relationship with them, uh, do, what do we say? What do we ask about? Um, and, you know, another thing is to pray that we would be safe people for somebody who's struggling in this, that is in our spheres, that we would be a safe person for them to come and ask for help because these kind of dynamics will feel very shameful for a lot of people. Like for all the sin struggles that I've had in my life, it was this codependency struggle that probably provoked some of the worst shame I felt because it was, it was also same sex directed. It was in my women friendships or women I was mentoring. So, um, so I really, I think those are the two main things is you're going to pray about it and pray about going to that person and maybe gently probing, or it could be exhorting and even having a, a humble confrontation of, of this person uh, because you sense that they're in a danger zone. Um, and I, I will say that in a lot of the situations I've had with people that are getting really close to someone they're not married to or with same-sex relationships, um, I've needed to give a, a firmer word of warning because of where it seemed like their relationship was growing into and it wasn't a good place. Mm. Uh, that's good because I, I think that especially whenever maybe the person you're approaching is, is the, the needy person, it could be real easy for them to then jump on you as, you know, now they're, they're maybe recognizing that in that relationship, but then they turn and become dependent upon you you know, real quickly in that kind of dynamic. So if you're, if you're too pushy, I mean, I, I think that that, that that's a possibility of happening. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, wisdom and prayer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Absolutely. Well, you know, and I'll, I'll say too, I think this, this is a kind of a sobering, but hopeful story from my own journey. When I came on staff here at Harvest 15 years ago, I was in a, a home group with a woman who was a professional counselor and you know, we would just share about our lives. And I remember her describing kind of the boundaries that she had set in her life. And in my kind of probably self-righteousness and naivete, I remember thinking to myself, oh, like this person is just way too boundaried. Like that's not loving. And then I got into my ministry here at Harvest, including some missteps that I took where I really didn't have the boundaries between my ministry world here and some of my personal world. And I made myself too available, too accessible. And I remember a few years in thinking back to what that counselor had said about boundaries and what I had previously judged her for, it, I was now just soaking in his wisdom. And so because of that, of what you just mentioned, uh, John, that, that temptation or that inclination and bearing other people's burdens we don't watch over our own hearts, like Paul says in Galatians 6, 1 and 2. And so, you know, the Lord has taught me so much about relational holiness through the weaknesses that I've had and some of the selfish steps that I took out of that. Yeah. Sinful steps. Yeah, yeah I, I didn't anticipate this, but I think this would be like excellent for anybody in ministry. Yes. Anybody in ministry. 
Yeah. James, you have anything to add? I uh, took a lot of notes. And <laughs> <laughs> great. A lot of good things. A lot of things that have people have uh, have came to me recently um, and asked questions that these are some great things that I'm going to be able to pass along and share and uh, I think offer that hope and help uh, that we want to do. Uh, I think that was two great applications there at the end. Pray. And if you have that relationship equity, go and talk to them and maybe say some things and try to help out that relationship. So I think it's good. Mm-hmm. You know, one, one other thing I want to tag on to this, and, I, and I, I love what your podcast is seeking to do in light of bringing in biblical counseling perspective. But the other thing is for us all to learn, you know, to learn what are godly relational dynamics in a, in a marriage, in parenting relationships, in friendships, and, you know, across the board as brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. Um, and there's, you know, a lot of great books out there that focus on, uh, you know, maybe like my devotional book focusing on the codependency, but there's lots of books that are going to disciple you about godly relation, godly friendship, godly marriage, godly um, dating relationships, and so on and so forth. So, I, I think we'd want to be sure to mention that we all need to be discipled and taught how to be holy in these areas. And for that, we have scripture and we've got lots of great books that are practical theology, bringing scripture alive to us in these areas. Yeah, that's 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 a good last word, uh, Ellen, because I, I would recommend um, The Emotionally Destructive Relationship by Leslie Vernick. Mm-hmm. I thought that was, I still think that's an excellent book. And then for, since the, a lot of the conversation today talked about the the ministry uh, dynamic to it, I think for past, any pastors listening to this, Dangerous Calling by Paul David Tripp oh, yeah. um, is a must read. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a must read. Mm-hmm. Um, Ellen, thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you yeah, so. Well, thank it's been you fun so talking much. with you guys today. Yeah, we had a great time, and uh, we appreciate this. I really do believe that this is going to be helpful to uh, to many, and um, and we thank you for taking the time to spend with us today. Yeah, thanks so much, James. You got anything? Any last words? I think I'm good. I appreciate you coming on, Ellen. Yep. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening today uh, to the For Freedom podcast. And if you will, just like it, share it, and uh, tell someone about it. And uh, until next time. To God, not your relationships, be the glory. Yes. <laughs> All right, well, we'll see you. Thanks for listening to the For Freedom Podcast. To find more content like this, please visit rfpnetwork.org. To find more podcasts like this one, resources, and meetups to encourage you on your journey.